podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Hell on Heels podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And welcome to episode 53 or or this is our Halloween episode. Ooh. Uh, ooh. Oh, <laughs> No, that's for a werewolf, a French werewolf. Get your shit together. Yeah. Um, Amanda Amanda and I just discussed that we both, both, oh, Jesus Christ, I got to stop drinking. We both (laughs) might have been pre-gaming just a little bit. Bryce, a a little bit more than me. A lot more than you. (laughs) I was not doing just beer. Um. We had to do family pictures with Cody's family today. And afterwards, we went out to eat at a at a steakhouse in our area. So I had two drinks there. Ooh. <laughs> and I currently have a margarita now. So. Oh, Ooh, okay. So this is going to be an episode is what I'm hearing. Yeah. So this is going to be the episode of Bryce and Amanda getting a little buzzed. <laughs> Okay, I'm okay with that. Okay, as long as we're okay with that. I was going to ask you what your Halloween costume is this year. Ooh, okay. Are you ready? I'm so ready. I don't have one. That's not fun. I know, it's really not. What's I might like Halloween costume? I don't know. I wanted to be an avocado, okay? Like a family <laughs> avocado. Me and James are both a half and Annie was the pit. That's what I wanted to be. And James said no? No, we just don't have any plans. Uh, so if uh, I can find plans, yeah, I'll do it. But, I mean, I'm not going to dress up and sit around the house. That last time I did that, it was with a ball gown. It felt weird. I'm lying. That never <laughs> happened. But. <laughs> I think you should do that this year. Is get a ball gown, dress up, and sit around the house. Oh, my God. We missed the opportunity. We should have dressed up fancy AF for our anniversary for our halloween anniversary or for the episode 52 with my dad that one because that'd have been even funnier (laughs) my dad would have just called us idiots to just to clarify that perfect we can do it for new year's have my dad on for a special episode or just dress up for new year's dress up for new year's (laughs) okay i wasn't sure which we were talking about (laughs) your dad doesn't need an occasion to call us idiots uh, he doesn't need an occasion to call us idiots. He just needs to listen to the podcast and he's going to call me up. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Now that we've got that planned out. Well, do you want to know what mine and Cody's costumes are going to be? I wanted to know that yesterday. Okay. Well, we're not doing anything crazy because we're lazy. We are going to be Sims. Oh my God. That is <laughs> what? That is so cool. So we can wear anything we want. I just have to get us headbands with the little Sims plum bob on the top and we're good. That is genius. Oh, and you have to walk around going like shoo-shoo. Shoo-shoo. Wow. I haven't played the Sims in a long time. That's all I really remember. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to do some research and play the Sims a couple times before we dress up and write down some terms for us. And make sure to write it on Cody's hand. I'm just going to hand him a notebook and say, only read from this. As soon as these headbands goes on, go on, we are Sims. And we do not speak English. 
That is amazing. I love this idea. Dimlish. So, you know. So, yes. That's that's what we're doing because we're far too lazy to do anything else. (laughs) Also, Cody didn't like my original idea, which was that I would dress up as Hugh Hefner and he could dress up as a bunny. No, I think I like that more. The Hugh Hefner or The Sims? The, uh, no, the Hugh Hefner. For sure. I wouldn't have even cared if he dressed up as the Easter Bunny. He would have just been dressed as a bunny. Wait, the Easter Bunny is even better. <laughs> he told me emphatically, no. Oh, boo! <laughs> I mean, he did cave for like half a second, but then he took it back. And I was like, there's no take backsies. But... There's no takesies backsies? Yeah, right? Uh, uh-uh, no. So I settled for Sims, and I bet you anything, I can Google online a Sims dictionary. Yeah. Simlish. Yeah. It probably has its own Wikipedia. So I can wear literally anything. I just have to wear a little plum bob headband on my head. So we're good. So are you just going to, like, go around to random people's houses and microwave Uh-oh. stuff? <laughs> yes. <laughs> start cooking but never finish (laughs) well other than um your halloween costume how how are you i know you're still having internet issues oh my god y'all if this is just the worst two recordings ever i'm so sorry it's not my fault one and a half one and a half recordings that's what i said um, said, don't throw me uh, under yeah. the bus like that. I only effed it up once and I uneffed it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if you have had Bryce's drinks worth of issues, <laughs> but that's either way, <laughs> it might be a little off in the math department, but I'm so sorry. We have had internet problems for, th- oh no, four weeks now. And we've been without internet for going on two weeks. So we're like using our cell phones for everything. And I forgot what this life was like. I went outside and played with a hooping stick yesterday. Wow. That's the best thing since, or I'm sorry, the only next best thing was sliced bread. Yeah. So I made a ball in a cup and then I played (laughs) with it. (laughs) And Annie just sat there chasing the dogs, right? Yeah. Everything's pretty much the same for her. Except yeah. uh, we can't. We have to watch Bluey on my cell phone before we go to bed at night, and she's not really happy about that. All right. Well, rumor has it is that we both effed up and have long stories today. So, <laughs> yeah. Whoops. We should probably jump into stories. <laughs> oh, were we gonna uh, shout someone out? Oh, for for fucking sure, we're gonna do that. Even though I almost forgot this week. Do Thanks you want wanna... to me? Do you want to start spreading the news? The news about New York. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you were coming from like an actual anything. I was just going off of it. Yeah, I was coming off of uh, that song. I think it's by Frank Sinatra. Mm -hmm. New York, New York. That's not right at all. I'm going to stop singing. Okay, we both should probably stop singing. But yes, we are shouting out our New York listeners today. I noticed we got a few extras trickling in from New York in the past week. And so we just wanted to shout you guys out because we see you and we know you hear us. Yeah, that's a big old apple y'all got up there. Yeah. So hello and thank you for listening and supporting us, even though we are drunk hot messes right now. Hey, I'm not drunk. 
I am. I'm a hot mess. <laughs> I am both. So <laughs> perfect. This is gonna be fun. We're so glad to have you around. Um, also, for anyone listening, you are welcome to join our Discord. That is up and going now. You can find the link on our Linktree on Patreon, not on Patreon, uh, on Linktree, on Instagram, on Twitter, on all the things. Um, you can email us if you want to be added. Any of those things. If you want to be added, just to uh, you know, BS, call us idiots with my dad. Nothing new. Um, you can go ahead and join us on Discord there. Or if you just want to talk true crime paranormal, you can also talk there. We've got some channels set up for our true crime and paranormal uh, sections. We also want to shout out that we are working on our Patreon. Uh, we have some new, I guess we keep calling it new, but by now it should be up. Uh, but we have some new content of us playing video games and we're getting some new in-depth stories together. So um, we're working really hard on that. If you are a patron, you are able to get early access to all of our episodes. So you're able to listen a few days earlier than, you know, everyone else. And so that is up and going as well. Hey, well, if you need any of our social media, since we're thinking about it, um, you can email us at helenhealspodcast at gmail.com. Um, our Instagram is uh, at Helen Hills Podcast. Our Twitter is Helen Hills Pod. All right. So I am ready for your story. Okay. This one. This one, it was, oh, oh my God, it's so much fun. I love this story. Um, it's kind of long. I tried to cut pieces out and then I stopped. So. Okay. Have you ever heard of 657 Boulevard? It's a house in Westfield, Westfield New Jersey. No, I have not. It's also called the Washer House. Oh, yes. So yeah. in 2000, in June of 2014, the Broadus family, they bought a six bedroom house at 657 Boulevard for $1.3 million. Damn. Derek was from, yeah, like this was, they were so proud of this. They worked their butts off. Derek was from a working class family and he was raised in Maine, but he worked his way up to senior VP of an insurance company based in Manhattan. And Maria, she had been raised nearby and they were moving just within a few blocks of her childhood home. So this was like, they were doing well for themselves. They were excited. They were like in the prime of their lives, you know, Derek mm -hmm. and Maria, they both had three kids together, ages five, eight and 10. And I kept this very bland uh, because in my opinion, this entire family, they're victims. So I didn't really include much information about the kids. But this big house, it promised plenty of space for the family. Three days after they closed, Derek, he was at the house painting, and it started getting late. So at about 10 o'clock, he checked the mail before he went home. He found a couple of bills and a white letter addressed to the new owner. Now, throughout my story, I do have a couple of these letters. I was not able to find the full letters. So this is just like most of them or excerpts from the letters. Okay. Derek opened it up and the letter read, Dearest neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. So it starts off like pretty nice. Yeah. Like, thanks for welcoming me, dear little neighbor. Yeah. Because now apparently they're in West Virginia, but okay. Oh, neighbor. Okay. Neighbor. Neighbor. Is okay, that a West Virginia thing? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I think we just offended West Virginia, and I'm sorry. I'm Bryce sorry. I so, <laughs> I didn't say anything about West Virginia. I was just saying it like a jackass, because that's who I am. <laughs> that's why we love you. 
So it starts off pretty nice. Um, <laughs> and then it goes. It, it goes. Okay. Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now. And as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s and my father watched it in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. I'm I here see... because I just bought a fucking house. Right? Like, I, I'm trying to do better for myself and my family. And from what I read, this house was like the house of Westfield, New Jersey. Later on, I uh, actually read where somebody compared it. It, it was like Westfield's alamo the letter goes on to say i see already that you have flooded 657 boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be tisk 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 bad move you don't want to make 657 boulevard unhappy you have children i have seen them so far i think there are three that i have counted are there more on the way which okay like first you're creepy now you're just rude and now you're just calling his wife fat right like don't y'all don't, I don't care how far along they look. Don't ever ask a woman if she's pregnant. Okay. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. The Watcher. Creepy. Like, ew. why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what I would do if I got a letter. I don't burn it down. I don't know. Well, obviously, they don't want you to burn it down. Uh, I don't know. They don't know me. Y'all think I'm sane? <laughs> yeah, okay. First of all, who is buying a $1.7 million house? Not me. I don't have that type of money. Oh, I didn't say I would buy it. I just said I would burn it. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I can't buy it, but I'm pretty sure I could figure out how to burn it. Uh, without getting caught? Oh, well, now you're asking too much. Oh, okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. So Derek reads this letter and, I mean, he freaks out. He runs inside and he turns off all the lights in the house and he calls the police. And the police get there and read it and they're like, what the hell is this? And, I mean, they're... Unfortunately, there's not much they can do. They did take a report and they do launch an investigation, but I mean, it's a letter. There's nothing illegal yet. Exactly. And even the threats in the letter were like it was creepy. It wasn't like anything, you know, there was nothing concrete in it. It was just really creepy and unsettling. Mm -hmm. So that night when he got home, Derek. And he tells his wife, Maria, and they together write an email to John and Andrea Woods. Now, these are the people that they had bought the house from. And the Woods lived in the house for 23 years before they sold it. 
they asked them if they had ever gotten a letter like this because the letter that Derek got also said, I asked the woods to bring me young blood and it looks like they listened. So Andrea Wood replied to the Broadus' email the next morning and she said that they did get a letter a few days before they moved out and she said it was similar, but it was more strange than it was threatening. And their letter, they... Watcher claimed to have been watching them for years and thanked them for taking care of the house. And since that was the only letter they had ever gotten, they just threw it away and didn't think much of it. The Woods went with Maria the next day to the police station and the police told them, don't tell anybody else about the letters. They wanted to keep it hush hush. Uh, it, it seemed like it would be easier to investigate that way. And it would also stop a panic. Yeah. From the neighborhood. In the meantime, Derek canceled a work trip so that he could stay home with his family. And whenever they brought the kids to the house, Maria never let them out of her sight. If they got too far away from them, she would immediately call them back over. They were kind of just on high alert whenever they had to be at the house. Which is not what you want when moving into a whole new house. Like you, they're likely moving into this, this house because also the area, the neighborhood. Like a lot of people do research yeah. on that and, you know. Yeah, it was described as like one of the safest towns in America at the time. People, expl- uh, people just dis- what? Uh, what? People described Westfield as Mayberry. Isn't that the town from? Oh God, what's that show? Andy Griffith show. Right. Oh, okay, I was going to say the Brady Bunch, but that wasn't right. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, but they described it from as like a Mayberry from the Andy Griffith show, just super safe. Hmm. Now, I also read that Derek was given a neighborhood couple a tour of the renovations that they were doing in the house. And while he was showing them around his house, the woman mentioned how it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. That's creepy, Bam. Did you send that letter? Exactly. Like, I don't know how he didn't throw her out right then and there. And I'm not oh. talking, he tells her, hey, get out of my house. I'm talking boot to ass, physical removal from the premises. Oh, hell yeah. I, that would scare the, that's, okay, that's creepy. Now, the contractors, they got to the house one morning and they noticed that this big, heavy sign that they had hammered into the front lawn had been ripped out in the night. Okay, well, that's just rude. Yeah, like that's, that, that's counterproductive. And, like, a heavy sign, too. Two weeks after the first letter arrived, Maria had stopped by the house to look at some paint samples. And when she was checking the mail, she found another white, hard-shaped envelope with a familiar writing on the front of it. This letter said, Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. That's so creepy. That, uh, and they did. I read later on, they, like, Derek got somebody to come check out the house, and they never found anything in the walls. Have they ever thought that maybe the couple living there or the family living there for the 23 years prior already found what was in the walls? Well, I mean, I imagine they would have <clears throat> mentioned it. Because they told them, I did read that they told them, like, hey, sometimes... The basement gets water in it. 
So I assume if they found a body in the wall, it would be like, hey, sometimes the basement floods and we found like a body in the second floor, but no big deal. We had it removed. I just imagine them being like, so we just had it sealed back up. There's still a body in there. We didn't want to touch it. But obviously it was there for a reason. So we just put her back. <laughs> no big deal. Don't worry about it. We didn't tell police. I'll tell you what, we'll throw it in for free. No extra we cost. Even named them. His name yeah. is um Steven. Yes. Steven the skeleton. <laughs> Steven the 657 skeleton. Yes. <laughs> so this time the letter addressed Derek and Maria by name. Even though they like they, they the person did spell their last name wrong, but he knows their names now. And the writer also mentioned all three children by their nicknames and in birth order. Oh, creepy. They said, I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. The author of the letter also asked about one child specifically and said, is she the artist in the family? The person that wrote the letter was referring to the daughter that was painting one day from a screened in back porch but the area of the porch that she was she had the easel set up in was only visible to people from either behind the house or right next door because there was uh, some plants and foliage that hid it from the street so he's pretty close the letter went on to say 657 boulevard is anxious for you to move in it has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement, or are they too afraid to go down there? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedroom facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my, my obsession. And now you are too, Broadus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. Freaking creepy. I don't know if this is like, this is like, you know how people can be nice, nasty? Mm -hmm. This is like nice, threatening. I don't even feel like it's nice. I feel like it's in intimidation. Yeah, okay. Intimidation is, it's just. It's just a little bit too much. Yeah. Like, like I this read is these... a little too much of a, uh, a housewarming greeting or whatever. <laughs> like, let's maybe introduce ourselves, then tell me that you're watching us through the streets, okay? Like, or at least buy me dinner first. Yes. Bring me a casserole. A whole, you know what? Not even just a casserole. Order me a freaking pizza from the best pizza place around. Because if you're gonna, if you're gonna be watching, I expect you to splurge. If you're going to be watching, you could, at the very least, order me show... a steak dinner. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, show me a good time, but don't, don't do that. Don't show yourself to me at all, ever. But I read these, I, like, I read these over and over again because I was like, well, maybe they're just trying to help. Like, maybe, maybe it just come across wrong. You know, like, maybe they're like socially awkward. 
But some, like, they keep calling the kids young blood. Or if you were upstairs, you'd never hear them scream. There is no way that can just be nice. There's not. That's not nice. That's intimidation. It's so uncomfortable. Please don't call my child young blood. Oh, I'm going to start calling Annie that all the time now. That is so... (laughs) I'll I'll forget by the end of this episode. Don't worry about it. Thank God. (laughs) So a couple weeks go by and needless to say, after the second letter, Derek and Maria stopped bringing their kids to the house with them. They were like, nope, this is too much. A couple more weeks go by and they do get a third letter. This letter began, where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. Derek and Maria, they're just trying to figure out who the hell this is. And they start wondering if it could have been somebody that was trying to buy the house when they did. They got pissed off when they lost out on it, when they lost the house to the Broadduses. Well, that sounds like a personal problem. Yeah, like this seems like a little exaggeration. Just a minor one. Just go talk crap on Facebook. So. The Broadduses go back to the woods and ask them if, you know, could this be a possibility? And the woods said that the other two buyers they originally had for the house backed out for legitimate reasons. One uh, had, a un- I was going to say unplanned, but uh, obviously unplanned. Uh, so like a surprise medical issue that they had to back out for. Unexpected the- is what you're looking for. That's the one. Thank you. And Again, unexpected. get yourself a Bryce. See, get yourself a Bryce and or <laughs> a thesaurus. <laughs> or both. Yeah. Or, oh, or a Bryce with a thesaurus. I said both. Okay. Actually, get yourself a Bryce with Google. Yes. <laughs> Just get yourself a Bryce, okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, one, one backed out because they had an unexpected, unexpected medical issue. And then the other one, they backed out because they found another house that they bought. So they both had legitimate reasons to pull right. pull out of purchasing the house. Yeah, nothing, nothing <laughs> sketchy. <laughs> so the Broadduses are like, okay, then maybe it's somebody that lives in the neighborhood. And this would make sense, too, because that first letter came, like I said, three days after they moved in. The Woods never put up a for sale sign on the house, but and the letters were postmarked before the sale was even made public. And it was just one day after the contractor started the renovations. So if anybody has ever snail mailed a letter, that ain't enough time. Derek was convinced the watcher was the Langfords, and this family moved right, or I'm sorry, they lived right next door to him. They had lived in that house, the Langfords, since the 60s. So they had been there. A long time. Richard Langford, he died 12 years earlier. And Peggy, who was in her 90s, get it girl, and a few of her kids in their 60s all lived in the house together. This family was described as odd but harmless. This was the house that was next to the easel on the back porch, which kind of poured a lot of uh, like validity, I guess, into, well, obviously it has to be this house. Right. Like likely suspects. Mm-hmm. They're just like perfect location. Derek went to the police with this theory and the police were like, no, 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 they're fine. We've already investigated them. They spoke with Michael Langford and he was one of the younger of the adult children. And he claimed he did not know anything of the letters. They actually talked to him 
after that first letter was sent. And he was kind of known around town. I got all this information from The Cut. I should have mentioned that at the beginning. I'm sorry. That website is just amazing. And The Cut described Michael Langford as someone who didn't work, had a beard like Ernest Hemingway, and he was kind of a Boo Radley character. I didn't know what that meant. So I had to Google what it. What part? The Boo Radley? Yeah. Oh. Do you know what that means? Yeah. It's referencing a book. Um, yeah, To Mo- Kill a Mockingbird. Mocking- yeah, I was going to say Mockingbird book. <laughs> I, I did not get that reference at all. But yeah, you got it. You, you paid attention. But Boo Radley, uh, he was kind of a hermit. He didn't really leave the house. Boo Radley, I'm sorry. <laughs> In comparison to Boo Radley, Michael Langford was kind of a hermit. He didn't leave the house much. His brother, Sandy Langford, claimed that Michael had been diagnosed with schizophrenia in his early adulthood and that a lot of times he did scare neighbors because he would walk through their backyards or if he saw a house being renovated, he would look in the windows. Uh, That would make me uncomfortable. Why are you walking through my backyard, sir? That is trespassing. That's not normal behavior. But then again, if, okay, if this family has lived there since the 60s, though, I can see him being an adult man in his 60s. Like, you know, that's just what they did. That's how they grew up. No, I don't care. Oh, no, I'm not saying I care. Don't do it, period, the end. Michael Langford, another neighbor claimed that he was harmless. And he said that this man, he was just one of the kindest people. He was really nice. He said that every morning, Michael Langford would bring him his newspaper. And multiple people who had known Michael for any amount of years, they all had trouble believing that he would be capable of writing a letter. They did not elaborate on that. So I guess just take it at face value. They didn't elaborate on how they didn't think he would be capable of writing a letter? Right. I don't know if he, because his brother did say he was schizophrenic, I don't know how much that bothered him. Um, I don't know if he was medicated. I don't know if it was hinted at him possibly having some type of mental delay. Like he's illiterate? Possibly, yeah. It was all very, like, cloudy, if that makes sense. There there wasn't many specifics on that. So I don't want to say something that is just wildly untrue. But that's how it was uh, kind of presented. So I'm sorry. Uh, Regardless of all of this, police tell Derek that they have absolutely no evidence and that it would basically take a confession for them to act. And they said, don't worry about it. The watcher probably isn't going to do anything. Oh, that's really comforting. Yeah. Derek was quoted as saying, probably isn't good enough for me. This person attacked my family and where I'm from. If you do that, you get your ass beat. Uh, Derek, I feel you on that. I, I can't say that he's being irrational, in my opinion. I'm not going to mess with his family. Absolutely. Nope. Mm-mm. Not that. Nope. I'm not going to mess with anybody's family. Derek decided, since the police wasn't going to help him, or I should say couldn't help him, he was going to do his own investigation, and he became absolutely obsessed. He put up cameras around the house. He would spend the nights hiding in the dark trying to see if anybody was watching him 
or watching the house. He researched and documented when everybody moved in on the street. Uh, they went, so, the Bronx went so far as to hire a private investigator, and they got help from two former FBI agents. They hired Robert Linehan, and Derek also reached out to an unnamed friend of the family that was the inspiration for Clarice Starling in The Silence of the Lambs. No big oh. deal. No biggie. No, no big deal yeah. at all. Pretty um, capable people. The agents worked together to conduct a threat assessment on the watcher from what they knew from him. They included, included the letter had several hallmarks of an old-fashioned writer, suggesting that they were older in age and a voracious reader. And they gathered this because the envelope was addressed to M slash M Broadus. And it included the salutation. The salutations included the day's weather as warm and humid and sunny and cool for a summer day. And then the sentences had double spaces between them. They also believed that he was maybe not a macho man or macho person because there was no cursing, but he was obviously angry. But they believed that he was erratic due to all the typos and errors that he made in the letter. But again, they said that he probably wouldn't act on those threats. They also suggested that the writer hated wealthy families from one letter that read, Are you one of those Hoboken transplants who are ruining Westfield? Hoboken transplants. I don't huh. know what Hoboken, Hoboken is. I think that's like... Like a ritzy place, I thought. I don't know. I th Why didn't you Google it? Because I, I don't know. Because oh, wait, don't because you internet. don't have internet? <laughs> yeah, because everything is dependent on my cell phone. <laughs> so they also noted that there was a, pas a passage that read, The house is crying from all of the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and I wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. Okay, stop saying that again. Um, but based young on young blood will be his again. I'm very confused. So, like, sir, are you wanting children or are you wanting the house? I don't, does he want the house to want the children? Do, do, does he want the house and the children? Does he want the children in the house? Does he want the house with the children? Yes. <laughs> I think, I think we, I think we, we just blew this case wide open. Wide open. <laughs> So they look at this passage and based on the, this one, along with all the other letters, these former FBI agents, they suggest looking into the old housekeepers and their families. And based on this passage, that seems like a good idea to me. For whatever reason, the police and the Broadus is focused on the Langfords, which I'm like, why did you even pay these men to do this? Vendetta. They've got a vendetta, apparently. What did the Langfords the do to them? Exist. And well, live... Next to their uh, easel. I'm willing to bet that's really where it came from is they knew that the Langfords could see their child painting from there. Mm -hmm. And so that probably just got stuck in their head that this has to be the Langfords. And it was more that idea that they could see that way. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, they're <clears throat> in the Broadus's defense, a lot of a lot of things kind of do point to the Broadus's. Uh and you I'm mean the Langfords. Dang it, yep. Uh a lot of things do kind of <laughs> point to the Langfords. And I'm about to get into that, but I you you just tell me. Okay. So the police and the Broadduses, they hatch a plan and they have the Broadduses mail a letter to the Langfords saying that they were going to demolish the house. And okay. the goal here was to try to get them to incite some kind of response, especially since the Watcher obviously cares about the house so much. They didn't get anything. The Langfords were like, I don't care what you do to your house. But maybe, maybe they were like, I see what you're doing here. I see. They could have been. They could have been like, okay, look, they, they have been around for a long time. Okay. They're like, I have been around this block many times. I cut through your yard to get there. I know what you're trying to do here. The police interviewed Michael again, and it led to nothing but his sister, Abby, accusing them of harassing her family. Now. Abby would eventually be investigated as well when DNA analysis from the envelopes finally came back and it was determined to be from a woman. Oh. Abby was a real estate agent, so police believe that she could have possibly been upset that she lost out on this $1.3 million sale. However, she was eventually ruled out after tests from her water bottle that they got um, they had a security officer at her job grab her water bottle and they tested it. She was not a match to the envelopes. So she was cleared. Finally, the Broadduses just hired an attorney named Levi Levitt. And Levitt, the Langfords, and the Langfords' personal lawyer, they all had a meeting where Levitt sat down and he showed him, he showed the family the letters and the photos of how their house was one of the only places that the easel could be seen from. I don't know if this is surprising to you, uh, but the meeting was said to have gotten a little heated because apparently the Langfords are probably just tired of being accused at this point. I can see that. So again, they declared their innocence. And I mean, I just, I feel sorry for them at this point. Leave the Langfords alone. Mm-hmm. Plus, uh, police, they had originally interviewed Michael a second, or I'm sorry, before the second letter was sent. So it was argued that it would have been suspicious to send another one after the police already interviewed him, if it was him. The private investigator that I mentioned, the Broadus is hiring, had found two child sex offenders within a few blocks of their house. And one day, a worker who was painting at the Broaddus's house, he looked out the window and he noticed that a neighbor behind them had two lawn chairs close to the property line, the Broaddus's property, and the chairs were facing the Broaddus's home and that there was actually a man in these chairs watching the house. So he's a literal watcher. <laughs> yes, but I mean, I, I kind of see that it's like, okay, if I was there in that time, I would be like, what the hell are you looking at? Like, okay, yeah, it's a little creepy. But if I think about it, like when I go out on my back porch, I look out at, you know, the sky, like the sunsets in that specific direction. Or 
I look at the little stream in the backyard or the tree. I'm not going to go outside and sit in a chair and look at my own house. Yeah, but also, if you're close, like, it sounds like they were really close to the Broaddus' property line, right? Yes, but what if they had a fire pit? If I put a fire pit in the backyard, I'm not going to put it right next to my house. If something happens, I would rather it catch their yard on fire than mine. Okay, that's not completely true, but you see the point. Like, the back, the house because wasn't I feel like th- I feel like if there was clearly a fire pit there, they mm-hmm. would have noted that and it wouldn't have seemed as strange. Maybe. I can see your point. But I still, I still maintain I'm not going to sit in a chair in my backyard and look at the back of my house. How dare you not look at the back of your house? Hey, hey look, sometimes my child screams a lot. I wouldn't want my chairs near that back door either. James, you take her. I'm going to go sit and stare at the neighbor's house. <laughs> but if you go to that back of your um, house or your yard and then stare at your house, you're as far away as possible as you can get from Annie. But I still and, have to look that way. Like, I know what the back of my house looks like. But what if she tries to sneak up on you? Huh, joke's on her. She can't reach the doorknobs yet. So <laughs> I will cross that bridge when I get to it. Because she's trying. Towards the end of 2014, the police have nothing. Uh, the watcher left no digital trail. There were no fingerprints on the envelopes. They had nothing to give them even, like, some sort of lead. So Derek showed the letters to a priest and he came out to bless the house. But when the renovations were completed and the time came to move in, they were afraid to. And I, I get it. Another passage from the letters read, 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? I used, it used to be my friend and now it is my enemy. I'm in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Yet let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. Okay. That's a little creepy. Yeah, I wouldn't bring my kids to this house either. I just don't get this person's this person's game. I don't understand what it is that they want. And I don't understand how a house can turn on you. I worry for this person's sanity. Yeah, their mental health. Yes. But I just worry that because they're so infatuated with the kids, I worry about what they would do to the kids. That's exactly what I was about to say. After reading this, they were already like not even bringing the kids to the house. But they didn't want to move in at all. And that's exciting when you buy a house and you get to move in or you get a new place. They were robbed of all of that. And even though they were still having to pay the mortgage and the property taxes on their house, they were living with their in-laws because they just could not bring them. The last thing they wanted to do was live in that house and bring their kids there after reading all this. Friends would ask them why they weren't moving in. And the Broadduses did not share these letters with many people. So the people they didn't share it with, they just kept saying that there were legal issues that were preventing them from moving into the house. But all of this going on was not a lie. Honestly, no, it's not. 
I thought that was quite clever. So this was taking a toll on the Broaddus' marriage. And after six months of buying the house, they decided, you know what? Let's sell it. Sounds good to me, personally. So they put it back up for sale. And people were interested, but there were rumors surrounding the property that made it hard to sell because the Broaddus has never moved in. To like, I don't know how that would sprout rumors because um, plenty of people buy houses, flip them, and sell them. But if they're flipping them, they don't normally hire a contractor. Oh, they do it themselves? I feel like they do it themselves normally. I feel like that's a typical thing to happen. I mean, some of them might hire contractors, but... I mean, I feel like if they bought a million-dollar house, they would just buy a contractor. Okay, wait. They wouldn't buy a contractor. They would hire a contractor. I don't know. I feel like maybe it's just all the flipping shows I've seen. It's always them doing it themselves. Those people have too much time on their hands. I'm not arguing. (laughs) So people were rumored, like people were spreading rumors that there was something wrong with the house. They were saying that the Broadduses slipped up and bought a house they couldn't afford. Just all kinds of nasty things. But the Broadduses, in my opinion, were being really nice about it. Um, When people were interested, they sent a partial disclosure regarding the letters that they got. Uh, and they planned to show the letters to the buyer, but they never got one. Like, not even lowering the price, they never got a single buyer on the house. They eventually filed a legal complaint against the Woods on June 2nd, 2015, claiming that they should have disclosed that they got the letter during the negotiations of the house. And they were hoping to settle this out of court and keep it quiet because they never told their kids that this was happening. They were trying to keep it as quiet and kind of close to the chest as possible. They didn't want to put their kids through that. Uh, unfortunately, a local reporter found the the legal claim and he was like, oh, or I don't know if it was a he. They were like, oh, this is creepy and wrote a story on it and it blew up. And that's when it got kind of chaotic in Westfield. News stations would camp outside the house in vans. One reporter sat out in a lawn chair just in case he missed something, I guess. People that lived or frequented the neighborhood, they started saying that they were afraid to even walk down the street. The Broadduses, they eventually left Westfield to stay with a friend. And they did, they did eventually choose to tell their kids what was going on. And Derek was quoted saying, can you imagine having that conversation with a five-year-old? Your town isn't as safe as you think it is, and there's a boogeyman obsessed with you. I cannot imagine that. That's a super not comforting thought. Mm -hmm. And I don't have kids. I have dogs. (laughs) He said that they would ask questions like, well, who is it? Or why why are they obsessed with us? And they didn't know what to tell them. Why are you obsessed with me? Why do we keep coming back to that? I love that. I love Mean Girls. Sorry, I, I will focus. No, please don't. Don't, don't you ever apologize to me for quoting Mean Girls. I will do as I please. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so the Broadduses, since they didn't really have, you know, I mean, the police could only do so much. They started canvassing the neighborhood with a photo of the envelope, hoping that somebody will be able to recognize the writing. 
And then they even hired a security company to compare handwritings. They hired a forensic linguist. Uh, Derek even went so far as to try to hire a hacker to break into the Wi-Fi networks in the neighborhood and try to find uh, like sketchy, you know, stuff. Try to find whatever he could. That feels a little illegal. Yeah, that's why he didn't do it because it's uh, it's it's kind of illegal. If you're wondering, don't do that. Well, I'm for sure gonna do it now. Okay. Well, but I'm only gonna target your house. Not anytime soon because you don't have internet. Yeah, but... I was gonna say, knock yourself out. <laughs> what are you gonna find? <laughs> Nothing right now. <laughs> what a perfect time to get all get rid of all my uh, search history. sketchy folders. Or yeah, search history. I use incognito. Mm, okay, well, I guess that doesn't work then. Well, I don't know. Hackers, the hackers are hackers are crazy. That's a whole nother world, man. Fair. Valid. During the during the investigation, police find another family on the boulevard that got a letter around the same time the Broadduses got their first one. Uh, but they threw it away. It sounded kind of like the the same thing the Wood said. They were just like, Yeah, we've lived here for a long time and we never got one of these, so we just ignored it. I wonder if um if they realized I wonder if it's like a teenager that thinks they're super fucking funny, you know? And um, they realized that they were getting more of a, like, a reaction out of the newcomers versus the established people. I wonder, you know, I could see that. Like, maybe they they were reading uh, old-time poetry or whatever in class, and that's why they have all the flowery writing. Well, maybe they're just an old soul. Maybe they're just jerk. Maybe they just Googled it. <laughs> like a just Google Shakespearean letter format. Yes. Maybe they just, maybe they found a thesaurus. Ah, clever, clever. Uh, one night while watching the house, police noticed a car stop in front of 657. And they said that it stopped there long enough to be suspicious. I don't know what that means, but. More than, more than like two minutes, I'm assuming. I don't know. I feel like a minute is fine because you're pulling up GPS. But two minutes, you've got your address in there. What are you doing still sitting? Maybe you just really don't want to go. Oh, okay. You know what? Never mind. Two minutes is fine. Three minutes is sketchy. One minute to pull up your map. Two minutes. The second minute to pull up the music you want to listen to and get going. Okay. Yep. That's it. I think you got it. Okay. You're okay. you they need to put you on this case. <laughs> well, no, it's a little too late now. They'll the, eh, you can help still. Maybe you can oh they'll just give you the box. Police do stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Your yeah, yeah, take please. this box of important information. Yeah, I'll just open it and look through it. No biggie. Yeah, no biggie. Just spill coffee on it, bring it back when you're done. It's like a library. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. They trace the car to a woman who lived on the block. And I don't think this woman liked her boyfriend because she told police her boyfriend apparently had, he could have, he had the car that night. Um, and he played these really dark video games. And one of the games specifically, he plays a character called the Watcher. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh-huh. 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 This guy, he agreed to come in for questioning and he didn't show up. 
So the police call him again. They get in touch with him. He live. He doesn't live with his girlfriend. He lives somewhere else. So okay, you know, my bad. They call him again, and he agreed to come in for questioning. And he didn't show up. And that's it. Like they didn't do any more, or like what? No, nothing else really came of it. Because uh, again, they don't really have any proof, other than the hey. fact that he sat three minutes in a car allegedly outside their house. And he skipped out on two meetings with the police. I feel like that's a little sketchy. To me, it is. But if police want to question me in some random, like, hey, can you come down here and talk to us about this whack job sending threatening letters to this house? I'm going to be like, yeah. And then I'm going to be like, hey, hey, James, I think I need a lawyer. I wouldn't have asked for a lawyer if I didn't do anything. I think I would have a lawyer if I ever had to go to the police for something that was out of my control. Okay, I can see that, yes. Yeah. Just because we we hear some some crazy stories about police. Unfortunately. And also, I'm anxious, okay? I would be there and I would be sweating through my underarms in my shirt and they would be like what's wrong with you you seem nervous and i'm like yeah i have an anxiety disorder i'm always nervous i get nervous people are watching me through the cameras and my phone but that's not why we're here is it (laughs) and then they will immediately admit you to a psychiatric ward gotcha oh thank god that's what i've been needing (laughs) i just didn't want to pay for it and they will provide a donkey on roller skates at the asylum so I told you Westfield was going crazy at this point. People started blaming the letters on the Broadduses and claiming that either they had buyer's remorse or they got the house and then they discovered that they actually couldn't afford it, like I mentioned earlier. So they're saying that they wrote and mailed these letters to themselves in an attempt to back out of the sale. A lot of steps. That's a lot of commitment. It is. It feels like a lot to me. Especially the part where he or they, where the watcher writes down, like, what kind of day it is and the wet. No, that's way too much. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Bare minimum over here. But also, Other I people, feel like, would they really, I mean, I guess if they really wanted it to be believable, they would have gone to police. But would they have gone to, done all of that and made false claims? Knowing they have kids and it could be like what they're doing. I don't know how illegal, but I don't feel like utilizing police resources for that type of thing is legal. No, I agree with you on that. I feel like that would be illegal. And I mean, if they, if your argument is they can't afford this house, then why are they hiring two FBI agents, a private investigator, a forensic linguist? Like they're out more money just hiring people to research this crap. It feels like a lot of expensive work. Other people claimed that this was their way uh, uh, to fake an insurance scheme or uh, get a movie deal. Did they get a movie deal? Well, there is a Netflix movie, but I, from what I read, I don't think they were in on it. They kind of just wanted this all to go away. I have not watched the movie on Netflix because I don't know if y'all know. I don't have internet. Um, but it doesn't seem incredibly accurate, but the trailer does look pretty good. So go watch it and tell me what you think. Doing it tonight. Okay. Just kidding. I'll, no, I'm not. But... Oh, never mind then. I was going to be like, you know what? I'll watch it tonight too. But now well, I'm not. 
I was going to say, do you have internet to watch it? I can watch it on my phone. It's just annoying because I have to hold it. You know, first world problems. Yeah, first world problems. In the spring of 2016, the Broadduses put the house on the market again. And this time they had an open house and it attracted a large amount of people. But again, anytime a potential buyer met with a lawyer and read the letters, they backed out. And Derek told the cut some guy from Staten Island, he said, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to get a house at a discount. And he read the letters and never heard from him again. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Mm -hmm. With their hands tied, the Broadduses, they spoke with their real estate agent and they told them that it's a possibility that they could sell the property to a developer and this developer would demolish the house and split the property into two smaller houses to sell. Okay. So they, they're going to go for this. And the problem was they have to submit a request to the Westfield Planning Board to do this. The planning board would have to grant an exception because... The two smaller lots would be 67.4 feet and 67.6 feet wide, but they had a 70-foot minimum. So the board met in January of 2017, and it was a public meeting, so over 100 residents showed up, and people complained for four hours about all kinds of stuff. They talked about the probability of having to cut down trees. They said that the houses would have aesthetically unpleasing front-facing garages. And this is when I mentioned earlier, people started arguing that 657 Boulevard was Westfield's Alamo. Abby Langford herself said that she spent almost 60 years looking at a magnificent, beautiful house and didn't want to be looking out at a driveway. So, so it was denied. Um. Well, there, there allegedly wasn't much talk about why the Broadduses had to resort to this in the first place, which they were upset about, uh, understandably. Uh, one neighbor did bring up a good point, and he said that splitting the property wasn't a guarantee that the letters wouldn't just be sent to the two new houses. In the end, yeah, you called it. The board put a kibosh on the plan and unanimously voted against it. Now, some good did come of this, I guess. Uh, shortly after the board meeting, the Broadduses were able to rent the house to a family with grown children and two large dogs. And the Broadduses included a clause in the lease that allowed the family to move out if another letter arrived, which again, good on them. I, I really think that these are awesome people. They're good-hearted people for not, not wanting somebody else to end up in this situation. So when did the next letter arrive? Two weeks later. Oh, okay. While Derek was at the property dealing with some squirrels that had burrowed into the roof, the tenant handed him an envelope and the letter was addressed to, or the letter was addressed, violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. Wow. Tell us your personal thoughts, please. Oh, oh, they do. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 
657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher. Okay. Yeah, so we kind of changed tones a little bit here. <laughs> but are, I mean, are we? Like, I still feel like we're in a pretty similar tone as to before. Like, it's still effed up. I feel, yes, I feel like he got way more violent. I can see that, yeah. Finch just felt unnecessary, too. Like, maybe, okay, maybe Derek was a little vile and spiteful. Maybe. I mean, to be fair, you were driving him to his wit's end. But Maria, what did she do? She's just there. She's just protecting her children. The letter mentioned the renter as well. But Derek spoke to him and they agreed to stay regardless of being a little spooked. As long as the Broadduses installed cameras around the house, which obviously they did. I thought they had already installed cameras. They installed security cameras. They originally installed webcams, which I didn't really, I didn't say the difference at the time because uh, I don't know why. Okay. They're almost kind of similar now at this point in time. Yeah. I mean, a camera is a camera. Yeah. Nowadays. So, okay. And this last letter was <laughs> outright threatening. And it read, maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something oh. as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick or I'm sorry, makes you fell sick day after day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. How dare you? That was me. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. Wow. I mean, that's yeah. something else. Yeah. I'd, I don't know how this, how this renter stayed here with his dogs. I would have been out of there so fast. Like you would have, like in the cartoons, you would have just seen the dust. <laughs> <laughs> just poof. Poof. Where's Bryce? I don't know. She left. Uh, I think she's in West Virginia now. She's I in think Nevada, she New Jersey. Might have just fled to Mexico altogether. Oh, uh, Island of the Doll? Not that far. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're thinking just Margaritaville, okay? <laughs> uh, well, unfortunately, this is kind of where our story stops. The last we heard from Derek, he and Maria try to avoid the house as much as possible. But they no longer live in fear of the Watcher. As far as I can find, the Baradas family, they were finally able to sell the house in 2019 for $959,000. $40,000. $959,000. $959, I don't think I said that right. I think you it said it fine. I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. But they sold it numbers. for less than what they purchased it for. Oh, yeah. And they also sold it for $40,000 under the asking price. They were asking $999,000, which is still a loss. And that's a loss not even counting the renovations. They were like, please just get it away from us. Yeah. And they, um, the new owners, they, according to the real estate agent who sold the home for the Broadduses, they claimed not to have 
received any letters. Oh, either that or they're like, listen, we don't check our mail. So we just don't see letters. Yeah, we it's 2019. We pay everything online and ignore our mailbox. It is overflowing at this point. Send yeah. out. So what I'm hearing is in a few years, they're going to go check their mail and be like, oh, we got like 16,000 letters from this person just pissed off. They're going to be like, oh, my, look at this. He is really angry. He called me a winch. Wow. That's some verbiage we don't hear nowadays. That's some big vocabulary. (laughs) He read his dictionary. And that's the story of the Watcher House. That's what I'm hearing. That's that's the end of it. Wow. 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 <laughs> uh, I don't like it. I wouldn't say um, I like it. I wouldn't say I love it. It's just not, I don't want some more of it. I was about to ask if you wanted some more of it. <laughs> no. Uh, well, do you want to hear a story? Absolutely. Okay. I guess it's not really a story. We're Listen, I know I told you I would do a poltergeist, and I said, F that, I want to do this instead. Wonderful. Okay, let me have it. So do you remember, like, I don't know, sometime last year, uh, maybe early this year, I don't know, timelines, but do you remember how I went on a little ghost adventure with my mother-in-law? Yeah. Um, And do you remember what we were told was haunting her house? Elements. Elementals? Elementals. Elementals, yeah. Uh, yes, that is what we're going to talk about today. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> I'm freaking hype. Let's go. So, ready. We are going to be talking about elementals. Uh, I do want to preface this by saying I talk about gnomes and dryads and all of that. I'm not actually going into depth on their their cryptozoology there. I am mentioning them as more of a classification more than anything else. Okay. 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 All right. And I also want to point out that there are a lot of different cultures. I know that some cultures, such as in China, they have different elemental type beings that watch over rice, silk, gateways, and other things. I'm not focusing on that. I am focusing on what I'm calling the English-American-German version, whatever it is. Okay. My version that I wanted to talk about. Okay? Cool. Rice's version. Gotcha. Yes. We're talking about this version. And we're going to talk about some history real quick. So... In ancient Greek times, these elementor- elementals were often referred to as demons. They did mention them multiple times in ancient Greek history, in folklore, all of that. It is influential de occulta philosophia. Oh, wow. Ah. I, I skipped a word already. Okay. Um, in his influential de occulta philosoph- philosophia, which was published in 1531 uh, or 1533, one of the two, right around there. Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa wrote of four classes of spirits. Uh, These spirits corresponded with the four elements. Agrippa did not give these classes special names, but wrote, quote, in the, in, wow, in like manner, they distribute these into more orders. So as some are fiery, some watery, some aerial, some terrestrial. So that's from his description. He wrote of those four different classes. He did provide an extensive list of different mythological beings of these different types of aerial or terrestrial, but he didn't clarify which creature belonged to which class. So he just was like, oh, yeah, these are some of the examples. And that's all we got from Agrippa. In the 16th century, a book called 
a book on nymphs, sylphs, pygmies, and salamanders, and other spirits by Periclesis was published in 1566 after Periclesis' death. The book, much like that of Agrippa's, would identify mythological beings as belonging to one of four elements. And he, he very much shapes our modern day views of elementals. He did not use the term elementals or even a German equivalent. He actually referred to the elementals collectively as Sagani. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's how I'm saying it. You're Pericles- definitely saying it right. Okay. Pericles would draw his concepts from much older traditions, such as the folklore in uh, folklore or Greek mythology. And this is kind of where he created his definition of these different classes. Uh, in this book, he so he wrote the book to, quote, describe the creatures that are outside the cognizance of the light of nature, how they are able to understand what marvelous works God has created. I said that wrong. How they are to be understood what marvelous works God has created. That's there we kind go. of, like, really pretty. <laughs> right? He's very, um, he's very, oh, I don't know, I was trying to say modern, but it's fine. Okay. He also stated that there is more bliss in describing these, quote, divine objects than in describing fencing, court etiquette, cavalry, and other worldly pursuits. But I kind of am a fan and I would like him to be a guest on the podcast. Perhaps, yes, yesterday. As Cody would say, he could for sure kick it. <laughs> oh, okay. He yeah. could jazz it? Jazz it? Yes, he could jazz it with us. Oh, okay. I just feel like he would love this. I feel like he'd be like, you guys, let me tell you my two cents <laughs> on elementals. And I would say, deal. Okay. <laughs> uh, you can tell us three cents, sir. You can give me all the cents. I don't, okay. you tell me. <laughs> um, in his book, he identifies these beings. He doesn't call them spirits or creatures, but he classifies them as between a, crea- a creature and a spirit. So they're somewhere right around there, like a mix of the two. And he identifies these classes as pygmies or gnomes, and those are beings of earth, undai or nymphs, which are beings of water, sylphs or sylvestris, which are beings of air, and salamander or vulcanus, vulcanus, which are beings of fire. So you've got earth, water, air, and fire. Again, when we're talking about these, we're not specifically talking about just a gnome. We're talking um, about them as a classification of these creatures. And Pericles, he would actually give these proper and common names. So he would he would refer to them with proper names. And when f- referring to them as a group or a category, he would refer to them as like the water people or the mountain people or so on and so forth. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Pericles, he noted that the elementals are said to be able to move through their own elements as uh like on their own so he kind of compared it to as human beings moving through air so he said gnomes for example they can move through rock walls soil whatever is made out of earth um and sylphs they are the closest to humans in his concept because they're the creatures of the air so they can move through the air and they can do all those things um but like if they come in contact with fire they're going to burn and if they come in contact with water they're going to drown and if they can come in contact or try to move through Earth, they're going to get stuck. So basically what he's saying is that we are sylphs. Okay, that's so. kind of cool. I'm here for it. Yes. 
So uh, that's actually not what he's saying. That's what I'm saying. Anyways. Let's oh, <laughs> hear for it, but still here yes, for it. We're still here for it. <laughs> uh, he also states that each one of these stays healthier in its particular, quote, chaos. But it dies in the other. So, like I said, if it gets touched by water, it's going to drown and so on and so forth. So he does emphasize that. He also conceived human beings to be composed of three parts. He said humans have an elemental body, a sidereal spirit, and an immortal divine soul. Yeah. And. Sure do. When he compared humans to elementals, he said elementals last this immortal or lack this uh, immortal soul. They don't have that. That's how they're not humans. That's where that difference really is. And he said, however, if an elemental marries a human being, the elemental and its offspring might just gain a soul by marrying a human. So there's that. Okay. All right. So he, he really, Pericles, he very much shapes our modern day views on elementals. Um, in 1670, French satire of occult philosophy, Comete de Gabelis, was very prominent in helping popularizing Pericles's theory of elementals. Like they really pushed, they had a lot to, to do with spreading the information. And they particularly focused on the idea of elemental marriage discussed by Pericles. So they really kind of were like, oh, that's interesting that an elemental could get married to a mortal and then have a soul and become basically human. In the book, titular Count of Kabbalah, this explains that members of this order, which Pericles was said to belong to, they refrain from marriage to other human beings in order to retain their freedom so that they can bestow, so, bestow souls among elementals. So basically, they're saying this Count of Kablabla, um, I know that's not how it's said, but I'm not saying it correctly again. So <laughs> Count of Kablabla says that the, the members here they don't get married because they've got to marry an elemental so that they can basically free the elementals and give them a soul. Comete de Gabelis used the term slified and nomai to refer to female sylphs and gnomes. Um, so often slifid and nomid in English translations and male nymphs <clears throat> are said to be very rare while female salamander, like they just really talked about like, hey, these... Um, these are like the where the male ones are and the female ones, and these are where they're rare. You don't often see a female in the gnomes or whatever it may be. Um, so it was said that male nymphs are very rare, and then female salamanders are also very rare. In the Rosicrucians, sorry, not in the the Rosicrucians claim to be able to see such elemental spirits. So they basically said to be admitted to their society, it was Previously necessary for the eyes to be purged with the panacea or universal medicine, which was a legendary alchem uh, alchemical alchemical yes substance with miraculous curative power. So basically, they're saying we have to cleanse your eyes, put this universal medicine into your eyes, and then you'll be able to see all these elementals. They also said glass globes would be prepared with one of the four elements and for one month this globe would be exposed to beams of sunlight and with these steps the initiate the initiate would start seeing innumerable uh start seeing these elementals just immediately like your 
your globe of water has now been in the sun for one month. Turn on water sylphs or water spirits. That sounds uh, like, I don't know if I want to put anything in my eyeballs. I don't really know. That sounded awful. And when I read that, I went, oh, God, Amanda's going to give me shit about the eyeballs again. Uh, yeah, please. No, I don't like it. <laughs> this one was just a medicine in the eyeballs. Okay. Okay, I don't even put Visine in my eyeballs. I do not like it at all. It's so, it's weird. I don't like it. I don't know what to tell you, okay? I don't like it. <laughs> all right, so elementals, obviously they're said to live longer than a man, but they cease to exist upon death, so they just kind of... But if an elemental, you know, marries a mortal, they would become immortal in this thought process. So for the Rosicrucians. So marry a mortal, you become immortal. Right. Uh, okay. So they uh they're they're probably marrying some mortals and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure they're trying, you know. There was an exception that seemed to work into work in reverse. So if an immortal elemental married a mortal elemental, the immortal one would become mortal. So like you've gotta marry down is what I'm hearing. You can't marry up. G okay. Okay. <laughs> so also, one of the conditions for joining the Rosicrucians was to have a vow of chastity in hopes of marrying an elemental. Can I pass on that? <laughs> Sounds real boring. Well, you don't have to join the Rosicrucians. Okay, good. Okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. So that's their belief around them. Now, there are occasional writings that state that angels are considered to be elementals or at least they lord over the elementals or they can control certain, certain angels can control certain elementals. Now, elementals today, for the most part, people say they don't really see them. They're not as frequently seen as like ghosts and spirits, but maybe they're just not as popular. I don't know. Um, oftentimes, the people that do report them are people who practice rituals that invoke the elementals to come forth. Um, so this is typically Wiccans or followers of nature-based religions. So are they doing this on purpose or accidentally uh, both? Could be both. Uh, well, typically if they're doing a ritual, it's on purpose. Okay. Yeah. So like I said, I'm not going to really focus on like the specifics of gnomes or nymphs or anything like that, since that would take me a literal eternity. But mm -hmm. I do, I do have some information on the generalized um, category now, again, this is not just gnomes. It's not just nymphs or um, naiads or anything like that. This is just general descriptions, okay? And okay. I say that as I have a gnome staring at me. He's going to come and actually join me. Perfect. Okay. So, modern times, they're considered by paranormal investigators, elementals are a class of a non-human haunting. They are considered to be intelligent. And so this means that they were a spirit, but they were not formerly a human. Ah, okay. Thank you. I was going to ask what that meant. Thank you. Yes. They, they've not ever been a human. They're often described as many of them are, many of these descriptions I get are from Periclesis. Um, Some of them are just from different websites. I don't specify which ones are from where. Anyways, they're described as generally being invisible to mankind though they do have a physical form and they're commonly humanoid in form. They eat, they sleep, they wear clothes. They're just like humans, you know, they're no different. Now, the Undines or nymphs specifically are similar to humans in size and they have power over water. And this power extends to basically all forms of water. 
streams, rivers, marshes, ponds, waterfalls, oceans, fountains, basically any water you can find, right? They're said to be able to direct the flow and course of the water flow, and they are often associated with rain, mist, and fog as well. Okay. That seems fun. Yes. Do they have power over ice? Interesting you should say that because I didn't see anything specifically about ice, but another one of the elementals is said to have power over snow, which I feel like is ice, so that's close enough, right? Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, they're also said to observe how water, the water's movement can affect human emotions and souls. So just really, I don't know how I feel about them, but okay. I don't think I like that. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. They can appear to humans and often they can appear as their full-size humanoid figure or they can appear as small creatures. They are considered to be very emotional. They're considered. Yeah, they're water. Well, okay. They're also considered very vain. I use the terminology vain. I'm probably pissing them off. But it's just because they're very much in love with that idea of beauty. They love beauty. They're just very attracted to it. They're also said that they're pretty fond of humans for the most part. They like humans. They'll work with them, be pretty friendly and whatnot. Now, the Undine category includes water sprites, uh, mermaids, sea maids, lemonades. (laughs) I don't know what those are, but I keep reading that as lemonade. But um, oceanids or potamides, potamides, potamides. Okay. Um, They're known to reside in coral caves, lakes, rivers, seas, marshlands, waters, fountains, and beneath lily pads. Sylphs are, they're rougher, coarser, longer, and stronger. They have power over clouds, snow, gases, and winds. Um, and the sylphs are the um, the air. So they're over, they're the air elemental. They tend to prefer mountaintops as their home uh, if they can help it. They're also just kind of in the air around us whenever they choose to be, you know? Like if they're going to hang out with us, they're going to be in the air around us. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, right? Like they're spirits of the air. I feel like they can do whatever. Now, the sylph? Categories or other like sylphs include muses, genius, and inspiration. Now, a lot you might be asking, like, I don't understand the muses, genius, and inspiration, but many artists, poets, and musicians are said to be blessed by the sylphs. Like that, they're basically attributing their inspiration to the the air elementals. Um, and so they do get that that title of inspiration. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I will. At first, I was like, "Huh," but I, I guess I can kind of see that. I just wrote it down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're considered to help birds migrate, and also to help pollinate the flowers. They are described as mirth, mirthful, changeable, eccentric. They're considered to be one of the most beautiful elementals. They typically have wings and appear like a crossbreed of an angel and a fairy. Ooh. Um, they can be found assuming human forms for very short periods of time. So if they, you said they're the most beautiful, right? People do consider them the most beautiful, but I have a gnome right here that would disagree. Well, if they're consider, if people typically consider them the most beautiful, does that piss the, 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 the water off? No. Oh, okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, cool. Now we're getting into gnomes. 
and they are over Earth. Gnomes or the pygmies are short. They have power over rocks, flowers, trees, and minerals. Traditionally, they're... Okay, I put this down, and this is not the case. I put that they're traditionally considered hoarders. But I guess they're just... I'm just kidding. But they... I say that because they're traditionally guardians of hidden treasures. So, like, hoarders, you know? I mean... Amazing. <laughs> Maybe they are strategic and responsible with their treasures. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, okay, like they don't, better. they, they buy, they pay their bills and then they buy their treasures. You know what? They are like um, the extreme couponers. Oh, yes. For sure. Getting free stuff all the time. Yeah, they're, yes, they're holding <laughs> up the grocery line for two hours. And all I want is a jug my, of milk. Yeah, I was going to say my cereal. So that worked really well. <laughs> Yes. All I want is my almond milk and they're still there counting coupons, taking them out of their binder. Yes. Um, Go to a different line at that point. But they are the extreme couponing gnomes. They are considered nourishers and investigators of anything that's found on land. They can feel the life force in trees, flowers, and other living things. And they have a strong urge to care for those living things um, so that they can watch them thrive. Okay, they're kind of my favorite so far. Right. They tend to prefer caves and or deep forests. They live beneath the ground, typically under true tree roots or by rocks or soil. Um, now, some of the beings in this category, of course, are gnomes. There's tree sprites, forest sprites, satyrs, pans, dryads, elves, brownies, and homodryads. Brownies? Now, brownies, yes. Okay. You never heard of brownies? Yeah, but <gasps> usually when I'm shoving them into my face hole. You know, that type of brownie. Okay. Like the okay. Girl Scout then? No. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll they're, wait for you to explain it. They're they're basically just like little creatures. They typically are, um, if I remember correctly, they like to repair things. They're considered smaller than uh, like gnomes. They're like itty bitty type thing. Um, oh, okay. At first I yeah. was going to say my husband, but he's like. Six feet tall plus. Yeah, no, so. not not him. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, actually, if you want a really good book that it's not too old, and at some point you could read it with Annie, like sooner rather than later. Like I would read it before Harry Potter type Ooh. age groups. Okay. Um, Fable Haven, that whole series, love it. Done. That Do sounds it. familiar. I'm gonna look into that, but I'm pretty sure I've heard of it before. Fable Haven is one of my favorite series, and they actually talk a lot about. Um, different mythical creatures in it. So, Ooh, okay. Anyways, also the author clearly after doing this research right here, I definitely feel like the author did some research of their own. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Brandon Mull. Anyways, um, these gnome uh, gnome category elementals they can be either helpful or harmful to humans. They are known to help humans who have established a connection with them. And have been treating nature well. So if you're over there littering, you're not going to get on a gnome's good side, okay? Like, just pick up and throw it away. Yeah. Now, that if, is one of my pet peeves. I do not litter. Right. My I car might break, be messy, but I don't I, litter. I had to break Cody of that habit when we first met. Ooh, it drove mm -hmm. me nuts. Ooh, it pissed me off so bad. Anyways. Now, if one of these creatures, if they choose to help you, their specialty is typically bone healing. 
yeah. So there you have it. So that's that feels like a good friend to have. Yes, that feels like someone you want on your side, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Just in case, I knock on wood. I have never. Now my dogs are going to bark. I've never broken a bone, but just in case, I come. You, you can come stay here. I got some plants and stuff. That's why I have so many gnomes around my house. I am working on getting on their good side. Um, Anyways. So next, salamanders or the fire spirits. Yeah. They are considered long, narrow, and lean. They have power over flame and smoke. Ooh, okay. In most tellings, they are classified as salamanders. So there's not like a lot of, it's not like with the gnome category. Um, or the Earth category, where there's like gnomes and brownies and homodryads and all of those things. That like this is a salamander, right? Okay. Um, they don't directly communicate with humans, but they are believed to work through the liver, bloodstream, and emotions to keep a human warm. Oh, yeah. They can be appeased with incense. Okay. In a lot of medieval literature. They are described as a little lizard-like being. They often appear as little balls of light or fireballs or tongues of fl- of fire. Okay. I'm going to need me one of them. Are you sure? Well, I was before you said that in that tone. They're considered highly knowledgeable with magic. Mm-hmm. They need constant feeding and or absorption of outside energy to fuel their power. They are considered erratic and intense. They are also open to helping humans, but it's not, again, you got to get on their good side. Oh, yeah. Never mind. I had one of those. I already have one. Her name is Annie. With her. Yeah. (laughs) Little salamander. So now we know Annie is a fire elemental. Gotcha. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Now we know a little bit more about elementals in general. Are you ready to hear about some signs that you're being haunted by an elemental? Heck yeah, let me have it. Okay, well, there's like some different haunt types. Um, there's the one where they could be helpful or they could be harmless or, you know, they could potentially cause mayhem. Now, if you're in the good kind of haunt where they're helpful and you want to actually evoke their presence, there's a couple th- things you can do. You can believe in them. Step one. Believe, believing is key. Step two, keep a positive attitude. And then you want to invite the elemental spirits into your house or somewhere you love. Clear your mind and focus on gaining a higher state of awareness and thank the creatures after interacting with them. They could just be there to help you with whatever or help you heal a broken bone, whatever it may be. Okay. Um, I didn't really get a lot of details on, like, the helpful things that they can do, but that's just because the spookier type things that they do was so overwhelmingly uh, more that I got more on those. You know what I'm here for. Yeah. So now when we're talking about your typical spooky haunt, there's several reasons they might be haunting you, okay? They do typically haunt isolated places, mountains, deserts, or forest settings, like, Hanging out by themselves. They ain't. They don't need no one. They're independent as fuck. Okay. But if you piss them off for being a terrible human, um, having terrible actions, or they feel like they need to defend themselves or nature, they might just haunt you. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is very rare that an elemental is 
seen in a city setting. But again, if you piss them off and they're there for vengeance, ooh, they're there for vengeance. They can also be called upon if someone does a ritual. And that's one other way that they can be brought into a city setting. Now, according to paranormalschool.com, there are several stages to a haunting. And this is their vision. So they say there's the prerequisite stage. And this is where young elementals will first appear to you as just kind of like a normal person, maybe a young child or an older person to make plans and to judge whether to commence haunting you or not. So they're making plans here, right? <laughs> That's I, I don't think a I, I don't think. How do I fail that? By being a terrible person. How do I pass that? By being a good person. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I'm going to start taking notes here. Okay. <laughs> the first stage of the haunt, if they have decided that you, they are going to haunt you, the elemental spirit will supply you with unnerving manifestations. These are typically harmless, but they can progress into bad dreams. So that's stage one. So if you are getting these unnerving manifestations and getting some bad dreams, you might be getting um, messed with by an elemental. The second stage, you might start seeing fading shadows, losing objects, and electrical disturbances. And this is where the element elemental really decides to um, up the heat on this haunting. And they start doing some more complex tricks and manifestations. It usually happens once the elemental has kind of gotten a feedback from your previous reaction. So they're just kind of feeding off of you at that point, right? Oh, dang. Okay. So, like, if I'm freaking out at this point, not good. Right. You got to keep a cool head. <laughs> actually, <laughs> all right. Actually, no, maybe freaking out is good because that means that they're going to do less because they're like, oh, I just have to snap my fingers <laughs> and they're scared. Okay. All Whereas, I'm hearing is I'm screwed either way. Because either yeah. they're going to drive me crazy or I'm going to drive me crazy. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> one way or another, you are screwed. Yes. In the third stage, <clears throat> the elemental spirit will attempt to mentally project thoughts and emotions onto you. You might be confused and in a state of fear with its antics. And this will make the elemental realize that fear is the best and most satisfying emotion they can get out of you. Ew. Uh-huh. And the fourth stage is this is really just where the haunting continues until the, the spirit is driven out. Oh, okay. So either I get rid of it or it's just here for eternity. It's just there for eternity. Oof. All right. All right. So now we're going to talk about specifically what you might see with different types of elementals. So earth elementals. If you're haunted by an earth elemental, um, you might start seeing like little men two to three feet tall. What? Yeah, no big deal. They usually uh. have beards, dress in caps. Um, reports in of females in these hauntings, very rare. And the well, typically these haunts, the earth or gnome elementals are considered mischievous or threat threatening to humans. Huh. Mm, now, if you hear voices, they're typically going to be these deep, gruff voices, manly voices. And these elementals do not like man-made metals. Not a fan. When you said they have deep, gruff voices, I physically recoil. Oh, so sorry. Because, uh, like, that's just the last thing I want. You know, like, you're home alone. That's the last thing other than a child <laughs> giggle that I want to hear. 
Just this deep, gruff voice. Don't do that! <laughs> oh, was that creepy? Is that what you're going to just have nightmares about now? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That, now I have nightmares, and then I'm going to just start freaking out, because that's the first step, so. Cool, cool, cool. No, that's not the first step. Well, I guess it is. You're right. Sorry. Yeah, I was listening. <laughs> you were taking notes. Gotcha. These elementals, they don't like man-made metals. Not a fan of them. They will often hide metal objects and then make them reappear later. They are typically attached to mines and caves, but they can potentially attack them, attach themselves to crystals and rocks. Animals might act uh, strangely around them or even act scared. They might also cause a person a sudden fear of being buried alive. Uh, <laughs> um, a sudden fear? A sudden fear of being buried alive. Who doesn't fear that for your entire life? I think it's more just like it suddenly is very intense for you. Like we could be sitting here talking about um, margaritas and blah, blah, blahs. And all of a sudden you just get this really intense fear about being buried alive. Oh my God. That's. Uh-uh. No, thank you. Occultist Dion Fortune. Um, has also noted that agoraphobia, or the fear of leaving the home, may be a symptom of an earth elemental haunting. So if you start developing a fear of Ooh. leaving the house, maybe we got to check for some earth elementals, okay? Okay. Now water elementals. Humans, they've interacted with water elementals. Um, or I'm sorry, humans that have interacted with water elementals can become <laughs> just really obsessed with water. They can cause humans to commit suicide by drowning themselves. If you are haunted by a water elemental, you may experience unexplained and repeated plumbing issues. So, like, get out of my pipes. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they, uh, they also, people report unexplained pools of water appearing out of nowhere. What? Yeah. Why do you keep talking about these? Didn't you say something about this not too long ago? Like one or two episodes ago? About what? Random pools of water. You did when we were talking about wearing socks indoors, which is actually my next bullet. Get out of here. It literally is my next bullet that says, that explains why every time I wear socks inside, I find a puddle to step in. That's the worst. <laughs> Ugh. Um, next are fire elementals. You can kind of assume the worst with these guys because they're fire. Uh, a lot of times we will see unexplained eruptions of fire. Um, humans may also develop a sudden obsession with fire, fire of being haunted by a fire elemental. Now, if you have been a pyro all your life, either you're good to go and you're not being haunted by a <laughs> uh, fire, fire elemental, or you have been haunted your entire life by a fire elemental. I was just saying, I'm not sure which one. Okay, I've been waiting to ask this question. Are fire elementals the reason people spontaneously combust? You know what? It's interesting that you actually say that. Because in one of the articles, it made it very clear that they were not connected. Really? Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that was the only article, too, that I saw anything about spontaneous human combustion. Um, and it made it very clear that that is nothing to do with the fire element. Okay. No. For some reason, I thought it would be. 
Yeah, apparently not. Reports of these fire elementals also include seeing fireballs, self-reflecting orbs of light, or tongues of flames. Tongues of flames? Yes, tongues of flames. Not like someone's face. No, not like someone's face randomly. Okay. That's what I thought of. I'm sorry. Think of like a dragon when it spits fire out of its mouth. I think that's closer to a tongue of flame that you need to envision, but like smaller. Okay. okay. So like Mushu. Yeah. So think like Mushu. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and then oftentimes, again, objects will just randomly catch on fire around the house. Your furniture, your anything, your blankets, your whatever it is. God. Now. That's horrible. <laughs> Now, air elementals, they are considered to be the elemental that appear the most in hauntings. They like to throw and break things. Thanks. Um, they often are associated with sexual assault, but I couldn't find more detail on that. But almost every article I read said that. So that was interesting. They can cause agitation and fighting among humans where they are active. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if everything's are... bursting into flames. Well, that's the fire elemental, not an air elemental. Oh, I'm sorry. I think the thing cut out and I didn't realize. Oh, yeah. We're on to air elementals. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's just air elementals, most common elemental haunting, thrown break things associated with sexual assault, agitation, and fighting among humans. Okay. They are also associated with suicidal impulses or the impulse to jump from a high place. They're connected to potential alien abductions or missing chunks of time as well. Ooh, okay. Um, they are associated with joyful music, bell tones, Ooh. and sounds of happy parties. Okay, okay. There are okay. several <laughs> animals associated with their presence, which include black dogs, horses, badgers, hares, and pigs. So I guess if you see any of those and it's out of the ordinary, you're in for it. Um, okay, say those all one more time. Black dogs, pigs. Black dogs, horses, badgers, hares, and pigs. Okay. So stay away from horses, rabbits, badgers, pigs, dogs. Black, Black. dogs. Your dog. Oh, shit. He's, he's got, um, what is it? He's got the, the white, the salt and pepper chin. I think we're good. Okay. Um, they're also known to leave fairy rings in fields that they frequent. Or fairy forts, hedges, or hills. Or hinges. Like stone hinges. There is a potential fifth elemental that is called a tulpa or an artificial elemental. I'm not actually going to get into that. Sorry. Um, because that's going to be a whole different story. Because I, while I was doing this research, I found some very interesting um, articles. But basically, they're created with the power of thought. Now, a lot of the information I got that I just went over came from pacificparanormal.com. Holy crap, they have a ton. Um, they definitely got bookmarked on my computer. Some famous hauntings that include elementals is that of Leap Castle in Ireland, where deformed human-looking creatures terrorize the residents. I am sure we will do a story on that eventually. Yeah, Another Great. Looking forward to that. Um, another haunting could be that of the Bell Witch Haunting. Which hey. we have talked about, and that was back on episode 26. So, the Bell Witch can be associated with an elemental as well. So, many people think it's not a poltergeist, but uh, an elemental. 
Now, on to a personal story. You ready to relive this with me? Um, I do have one question, but I'm so excited. Okay. Is it possible that Jeff could be an elemental? Possibly. Um, I think the only thing with Jeff is that they saw him or they claim to have seen him before. And he but did he was appear a, as a mongoose. A mongoose, yeah. Mm-hmm. So potentially, maybe, I don't know, I didn't make that connection. I also was not thinking about Jeff at the time. So, you know. How can you not think of Jeff? I can't forget him. Okay. No, it's not that I forgot him. I just wasn't thinking of him. <laughs> All right. So I know you've heard this before, but it's been a minute since we've talked about it. Um, And I don't know if I remember all the details, but I'm going to do my best to just give you guys everything I can. I know we did a Patreon episode where I talked in depth about it, um, but I'm going to try to relive everything for you guys. So my mother-in-law, first of all, I'm going to preface this by saying my husband and his whole family, they're just haunted and I've accepted it. Not happily accepted it, but I have accepted it, okay? So my mother- You take the good with the bad. I said for better or for worse. I just didn't realize what the for worse meant, okay? (laughs) Uh, He wasn't forthcoming. He did tell me pretty early on in our relationship that he had friends, but... Oh, well, then you did it to yourself. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of my own doing. I didn't believe him, but it's fine. Here we are. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So, my mother-in-law had been just experiencing some weird things. I can't remember what all of them were. I remember she had... um, some issues with one of her dogs that wouldn't leave her side. And she described this dog as like, like my mother-in-law sitting on the couch watching TV. The dog is facing the TV and barking and growling at something and backing up to my mother-in-law, like her butt towards my mother-in-law and just kind of like getting in a protective stance. Um, But she was just having a lot of issues. And so she called a local investigation group in our area They came out, and I, as soon as I knew my mother-in-law had called them, I was like, I called dibs. I'm going to be there that night. I will see you there. What day, what time, I'm on my way, right? So Obviously. Right, obviously. Um, We get there, we're talking, and the paranormal investigators, the two of them are husband and wife, so we're talking to them for just a little bit, and the wife keeps, I think she's a medium, um, or clairvoyant, or something like that. Um, but she was just like, I, I do feel something here. It's very heavy in here. And we kind of started talking about what had happened. My mother-in-law had just gone through a breakup and her ex, I wouldn't say it was a messy breakup, but I wouldn't say it was like a clean breakup. You know what I mean? But, you know, there was just some things where it was like, all right, whatever. And they're like, well, did your, um, did your ex by chance bring anything over? Did he pick up any of his things, drop off any of your things since the breakup? And my mother-in-law was like, yeah, he dropped off my garage door opener and my uh, house key. So she goes and gets those. And um, the one, she's just kind of holding them. And she's like, there's something funky with this this garage door opener. Like, the key feels fine to me. But the garage door opener, I, she's just like, I can't pinpoint it. Something feels off, blah, blah, blah. And... At this point, we had been waiting for the third party of the investigation teams to show up. But they're like, well, let's just go ahead and get started and kind of start walking around the house and blah, blah, blah. So we start walking around and we're talking and we get upstairs to where my mother-in-law's room is. And there's a couple other rooms up there, too. 
And she kind of, this lady, she kind of walks into the rooms and she kind of was like, I don't like your room. Like there's something in there that I, I'm just not a fan of. And we end up kind of talking and she goes into one of the other rooms and she's like, eh, like, I feel like something's there, but I don't feel like it's terrible, blah, blah, blah. We were sitting there talking and the third investigator gets there and she's like, hey, walk around up here and just tell me what you feel. Like, just tell me what you think about these rooms, blah, blah, blah. And we're not standing anywhere that I would think, first of all, it's a really small hallway that we're in. So it's not like we're at one side of the hall versus the other. Like it's, it's not huge. Right. And um, we're standing there talking. We're at the top of the stairs and the lead investigator, uh, she's like, walk around. So the other girl that had just joined us, she's like, I don't like the bedroom. There's something wrong with the bedroom. Not a fan. Feels really heavy and dark in there. Um, and then she also points out the other room that the main lady was like, there's something, but it's not terrible. And so we end up in my mother-in-law's workout room. And so lights out. <laughs> and they pull out, um, I don't know what it was, but the little like needle thing that goes up and down with responses. Uh, is it like an EMF detector? I don't know if it's EMF, but maybe. I don't know. I was just there, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we're sitting in this dark room. Lights out, you know. Um, and we're all in a corner of the room at this point. So we're all kind of in our own little corner. And we're actually getting, like, readings on the the thing, their, their tool. The, we're going to call it an e EMF detector. Um, I don't know if that's actually what it was. I just know that it was probably that. It didn't have lights on it. Anyways, so we're getting readings on it. And the thing is, is it's very sporadic. It's not like it's consistently going yes or no, or it's like coming and going. Like it would answer some questions and then disappear and then answer a couple more questions and then disappear. Um, and so she was really trying to egg whatever it was to like move up a, a little um, plastic ping pong ball that she had. She was just like trying to egg it on and nothing was really happening. And then I finally was like, does anyone else feel like something's touching them? Or is that just me? Like, and I don't know if it was just me being like, this is the first time I've got to go on a ghost hunt. Um, yeah, like the jitters or like excitement. Yeah. But I definitely remember feeling like something like it just run its fingers down my back. Oh, I and, hate that. Yeah. So it wasn't my favorite thing. And so I, and again, I could have imagined it, but I was like, does anyone feel like you're being touched or anything? And so I end up moving just away from the corner and one of the other ladies sits there. She doesn't feel anything, but that's because I still felt it in the other corner I was sitting in. So it's fine. Um, yeah, that's, that doesn't sound fine at all, but all right. <laughs> Anyways, so we're doing that. We're not getting anything in this room. And they're like, all right, well, really, we were looking at the bedroom and we felt the most like heaviness in that room. So we all migrate to my mother-in-law's bedroom, right? And we're mm -hmm. sitting there, and it's now just kind of messing with the e uh, EMF detector. It's just turning it on and off, not even to questions. It's just, you know, turning on and off randomly. Um, and, I mean, they were checking to make sure it wasn't cell phones. They were moving it around. Like, it was, they would put it down and leave it. There would be no reason for it to go on and off, right? Yeah. Um, and even when it did go off and it was caused by a cell phone, they were very clear to be like, nope, that was caused by my cell phone. Um, but we're sitting there and we're talking and they finally get annoyed and they're like, we're just going to turn off this. And they're, we're just kind of talking a little bit. And all of a sudden we all just see, cause you know, the, the overhead fan, the oscillating fans in the bedrooms that have the little dongles that hang down. I don't know if that's the right term. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we just see those start moving. 
And we're like, hmm, that's interesting. And so they're trying to kind of look around and see, like, all right, what could this be? Was Did someone bump this? What, like, they're trying to recreate it. And they're like, well, we're just not able to recreate it. Like, none of us are tall enough to just accidentally bump it. Our arms weren't in the air. Like, there's just no reason that this this would have happened, right? And finally, it gets to a point where we're just not getting a lot. Like, the EMF, or E, yeah, EMF is off, and we're just kind of hanging out. And the main lady, she finally decides to pull out her dowsing rods, and she has a spirit guide. And why she didn't just do this from the beginning, I don't know, but she's, she's like, all right, spirit guide time. So she pulls out her dowsing rods. She does what she needs needs to to connect with her dowsing rods. And they start talking and she starts asking, like, is this a level three or a type three entity? And it says no. And I, first of all, I'm like, what the hell is a type three? And she's like, oh, that's a demonic entity. I was like, oh, good. Well, it said no. Yeah. And she's like, all right, well, is there, is it a type two? And it says no again. I'm like, what's type two? And she's like, it's, um, it's like a, a human spirit that's being manipulated by a demonic entity. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, it's not that either. And she's really confused at this point because she's like, all the things you've talked about, I don't feel like a type one, which is just a ghost, would be causing all of these things. And she's like, all right, well, is it a, is it a type one entity? And it says no again. And we're like, okay, so it's none of the above. <laughs> And we're like, cool, 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 cool. Great. Glad to hear it. And she starts being there. I would be like, what's left? (laughs) What else is there? That was what we were doing. Me and my mother-in-law were like, okay, what else is there? (laughs) (laughs) But um, anyway, so she's thinking and she goes, hmm. She asks her spirit guide, is there an elemental here? And it's like, yep, there's an elemental. You finally got it. And so basically they narrowed down that all the things that my mother-in-law had been experiencing were from um, an air elemental um, that was just really messing with her. They believe that it was brought by one of the, by the garage door opener. Um, Which is so creepy because that's just such a like mundane object. Well, they think it was, I don't want to say cursed, but they think like um, someone. It was deliberate. Yeah, they think someone deliberately sent it with the garage door opener. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's creepy. Yeah, that's and, scary. Yeah, and so first of all, my next question was, can this follow me home? Because I don't want it. Oh crap! I didn't yeah. even think of that. What was the uh, answer to that? No, the answer was no. So we were good. <laughs> um. Anyways. So basically the the fix for that was to mix pepper and vinegar in some cups and place it around the house. And by the time they left, she's like, let me just talk to Charles, my spirit guide, one more time. And he was like, Yeah, it's already gone. Pepper, so, like like just pepper, like black table pepper? Yeah. Black table yeah. pepper. Okay. So no biggie. So that was my experience with it, with an elemental. Do you know, okay, I don't think I asked this the first time, but do you know if something like that happens and it is deliberate, when the air elemental leaves, is it like pissed off at the person who sent it there? Uh, Not necessarily. I mean, it might be, but not necessarily. Okay. So like. I figure it's either like taking a hit out on somebody 
And it's just like, that's their job. Or like, maybe they even enjoy it. Or they're just like, hey, you did this. I, that really, I was really feeling like just laying on the couch today. And now I'm going to mess with you about it. Yeah. They talked about um, some of them could be sent back to the sender. Like, return to sender, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. But- Does UPS help with that? <laughs> Um, no, they don't. You've got to do it on your own. Oh, they're okay. like, there's you no point. Yeah, from what I remember, I I want to say they basically said there's no point. You might as well just kind of release it at this time. Like, send it out of your house and it'll get bored eventually and go somewhere else. So, Well, that sounds easy enough. Yeah. Well, some other ways to get rid of elementals. This is not pertaining to my story, uh, my personal story. But some other ways are to ring loud bells or make loud noises with metal pots and pans. Place iron around the house and wear iron on you or carry it in your pocket. Uh, of course, sage the shit out the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mix. This was actually a source uh, that I read that said to mix pepper and vinegar in a bowl and place <laughs> it everywhere inside of the house. So validating okay. what they did. Um, or sometimes you can just ask them to leave. This, however, only works if they are not a vengeful spirit. If they're just hanging out. Yeah. If they're just chilling and you're sick yeah, of them. Just, yeah, came over to hang out, you know, Netflix and set the couch on fire. It's like, um, you know, in The Sims, um, when you have a neighbor just randomly appear and you just click on them and go, ask to leave, do that. Ah, perfect. Okay, yeah. cool. So, <laughs> and it's only if they're not vengeful. And that makes so much sense now why the Sims that hate my Sims are never leaving when I ask them to leave. Okay, that makes... Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> oh, because they're elementals. They're vengeful elementals. Yes. Oh, okay. okay. Cool, cool, cool. But anyways, that is my story on elementals. I kind of loved it. Uh, I wanted, I do want to know more on them. I know, you know, because I'm being difficult probably. But at the very least, I'll probably look them up. Because some of them, I don't feel like it would be horrible to have them around if they're not vengeful. Gnomes are going to help me heal some bones. I'm down. Go ahead and be around. Who's going to your- keep the uh, the aphids off my plants? That's what I want. Because right now, all I've got uh, is the ladybug larva. I need something would, else. Yeah, that would definitely be the gnome elementals or the earth elementals. Okay. Yeah, I want one of them. I'll give you some basil. It's coming in real nice. Um, tell me what snacks you want me to stock in the fridge and I got them. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to Helen Hill's podcast to see pictures from this episode. Actually, just kidding. There were no pictures on this episode, but you can follow us on Instagram at Helen Hills podcast, Twitter at Helen Hills pod or Facebook by searching Helen Hills podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Helen Hills podcast. If you want to support us, please like review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create additional content for you, you can donate through Patreon. We're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestions or just words of encouragement, please email us at Helen Hills podcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell or force your friends to listen with you. Um, And this has been Helen Hills podcast. Bye.